joined by special guest Ziegenfuss, Everett Ziegenfuss, also known as Ziggy. Uh, he has his own podcast, Apple Picking and Cherry Picking. Uh, Apple Picking, they discuss many serious topics on cherry picking. They discuss some sports and stuff, so definitely recommend it. Um, we'll leave all the links and stuff in the bio of this episode, whether on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. So uh, yeah, in this episode, we had to talk to Ziggy about his trip to uh, China. From Shanghai to Beijing, he had some interesting stories to tell. And even when he got back, he had some uh, some tales to tell. So, yeah, we hope you enjoy this episode. And if you do, make sure to uh, follow Ziggy and us on Spotify. And Apple Podcasts, of course. Okay, bye-bye. Enjoy. Hello, everybody. Today we are joined by Ziegenfuss. He's going to be telling us an interesting story. Me and Caden are going to uh, ask him a few questions about it, maybe. And, uh, yeah, just, just hear about this great story as for us. So uh, yeah, yeah, take it away. Introduce yourself. I mean, I mean, yeah, Ziggenfus is my last name. I mean, that's my Discord name. Uh, you guys can just yeah, call no, me I Ziggy. Just, I wasn't sure if you wanted <laughs> wanted me to call you by your first yeah. name or your second name. So. No problem. Call me, call me Ziggy. Um, yeah, no, you guys, you know, hit me up. We got Keen on my podcast. Um, the one, one of the few I'm a part of. Apple picking really told us some great stuff about um how the Black Lives Matter movement. Let's go check it out. We'll, we'll manifesting put you in the bio, whatever. Absolutely. Thank you much. Um, yeah. but. I'm not here to talk about that today. I'm here to talk about my um, part of a portion of my trip to China. So let's let's start at the beginning, because you you said in pre-show that if there's a little bit of Marvel backstory, that I should yeah. be including that. So we'll start all the way back in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, before I even left. Um, this was two years ago, almost almost to the month. I was just out of college. I finished all of my finals for college in one day, which for that means, you know, all of your final exams, instead of having them spread out, you know, over the course of two weeks, um, I was given the opportunity to go to China. And I talked to all of my professors. I said, let's just get them all done in one day so I don't miss my flight. So we made it happen. I woke up at 8 a.m., you know, one Tuesday morning or whatever. And from 8 a.m. to like 9 p.m., I took about six exams. And, you know, I was absolutely destroyed mentally as you can imagine i i could i couldn't i couldn't know the burnout was so real right the next morning at 6 a.m i had to take a train from my from my university in a place called philadelphia to my hometown a place called pittsburgh which is about an eight hour train ride um so that wasn't fun right so i took the train ride and right i couldn't if i fell asleep on the train I, i i'd risk missing my stop and if I miss my stop in Pittsburgh, it's another two hours to the next stop in Cleveland, which is very bad because I'd be, I'd be, you know, I'd miss my flight. So I kind of had to, I could only sleep for a couple hours. So I was sleep deprived. I had to, you know, get to Pittsburgh. I had to pack um, everything up because I was going to uh, 
China for almost a month and packed everything up, get to the airport uh, the next morning. So I had a little bit of sleep, but not a lot of sleep. I was still absolutely dead. And I felt like I was coming down with some sort of sickness. And it was just, I was miserable to say the least. Um, the reason I was going to China, I probably should have prefaced with this, was a, a lucky opportunity. Right? My mom works in aerospace, just does some stuff with planes. Um, I don't really know the whole deal, details of it. That part is not really relevant. But what happened was, you know, she had to go to China with some coworkers for some business stuff, to say the least. And one of her coworkers was unable to go to China last minute. Right? They say I, I can't make it. I, I have so, a, you know something or another, and I just I just can't go. Right? And the company's like, well, we already have the, the everything paid for, right? Um, we can't just, you know, let it go to waste. So if anybody else that's going on the trip wants to have a friend join them for the trip, speak up now. And like 20 minutes later, uh, my mom hits me up like during my, during one of my, my classes in the end of April of 2018 and says Everett, which is my, what she calls me, which is my legal name. Do you want to go to China? I said, absolutely. When are we leaving? She said next week. And I said, oh shit. I have to get everything, all my finals together um, in the next week. So I did that, like I just said. We get, we get to Pittsburgh after my train ride. And I guess what I didn't know is that the one thing that wasn't paid for was my plane ticket. right? And the trip from the U.S. to China is about a 16-hour, 17-hour plane ride. So it's not short, right, to say the least. And unbeknownst to me, my mom's company had bought first class for her. Also unbeknownst to me, I got stuck basically in the cargo bay. And I was riding with like all like the dogs and stuff. No, I wasn't, but I was stuck with, you know, with fat people next to me, essentially is what I was stuck with. So I, she got a direct flight from Pittsburgh to um, wherever the hell we're going. Uh, Shanghai, China is where we're going. And me, on the other hand, I had to go from Pittsburgh to Toronto to China, which is a weird way to get to China. I thought you would just go west. No, but you go over the over the North Pole. You go over the Arctic Circle. Um, I thought that was pretty cool. Saw a lot of snow. But what happened is when I, got, I get to Toronto, I'm feeling miserable. Right, first things first, actually, in Pittsburgh, I almost missed my flight, period. I was in the airport. I was feeling so bad. I was so sleep-deprived. I was a tidbit hungover and I was sitting in the terminal and I fell asleep. I fell asleep in the terminal and one of the flight attendants had to come run out of the plane and wake me up and say, you know, sir, are you, are you going to Toronto? And I said, I think so. And she said, well, we're leaving right now. You need to be on this plane. So she had to like drag my sleeping body onto the plane, essentially. Um, so I almost missed that flight. I get to Toronto. And I'm still feeling miserable. I go buy like a slice of pizza for $37 or whatever. And, you know, it's nice. That's fine. We, I get on the plane and I, I get to, to China, um, you know, and it was a smooth 15-hour trip. I still felt like crap, but it's feeling a little better. Get to China and I'm waiting at the, at the carousel, um, the baggage carousel for my bags. And what do I see? I, well, I don't see my bag, right? And I'm waiting there without any any of any of the bags I packed. All right. So, you know, I, I'm there for about three hours. And let me also 
my mom and I were on completely different flights, right? She flew first class, but it was on a different flight. Right? So I flew Air Canada to, to China, arrived in China three hours before she did, didn't have my bags. I had the shoes on my feet, the clothes on my body, and like two pairs of boxers in my backpack. That's it. And I would needed to survive like a whole month there without anything, without any clothes whatsoever, which was not, this is not a, a good idea. I would tell you that much. She, my mom, got there three hours later. But the other thing is that, you know, I, I was in fucking China. How am I supposed to find my way to like baggage claim? How am I supposed to find my way around when nothing is in the language that I can, I can figure out? whatsoever i mean it's all it's all characters and stuff so i had to find like the only white person there and have them direct me to you know where the air canada people were and i had to file this whole claim and they said you know what yeah usually your bag will show up in a few days right fast forward this is just a spoiler um i didn't get my bag until two months later uh not until i got back to pittsburgh and i was about to go back to university my bag it just it just showed up on my doorstep of my of my family's house that was ridiculous i know how is that possible like, <laughs> i don't know like they, they wanted me two weeks or something but like, no so i was in shanghai for a couple weeks and i was calling them every day i was saying you know hey any update any update and every day they were they wanted me to remember what was in my bag they said okay what was in the bag i'm like you know clothes there's some other stuff in the bag and they said okay you know we need to know just in case we uh come across a similar looking bag, we can identify what's inside of it based on, you know, what's inside of it. I'm like, well, I mean, other than the fact that it says my name on the suitcase, and if there's another Everett Ziegenfuss in the world, which I promise you there probably is not, if there's another one and he happens to have the same bag as me, well, shit, that's really unlucky. But it seems to me like you think you just lost the bag. Somehow, flight from it's just it was one layover flight that's all it was one layover flight i lost both of my bags okay i guess i guess it makes sense so they asked me okay what did you have in your bag i'm like okay well i had some shirts what brand was the shirts well i think one was adidas how much did it retail for uh it was like 20 dollars. do you have the receipt why would i have the receipt well, they want to receive for a pair of shorts <laughs> to make sure you didn't steal them and i'm in, in i am lady yeah air canada lady i'm in china Without my bag, do you think I brought the receipts for purchases I made four years ago? Because I just said, you know, what if they lose my bag? I really want to prove to them that I bought this Adidas shirt for fifteen dollars, and I can prove it to them. I I know in case you ever lose your bag, and they ask everything. I'm like, okay, well at this point I got to start making things up because I'm only remembering like three shirts and two pairs of shoes, and that does not fill a big suitcase. So I just started saying, yeah, there was probably like green pair of tennis shoes and a couple more shirts. And oh my God, there was like a diamond ring now. But I guess what they do is they, they use that for insurance purposes where they ask you, you know, what's in this, what's in the, what's in the luggage. And you tell them what's in the luggage and they have like this whole ledger, right? It's kind of like you're donating on a charity shop. They have this whole ledger of how much things cost, right? Okay. If it's a Nike shirt, all Nike shirts are going to cost $20, all right? If it's just green tennis shoes, well, if it's green tennis shoes and there's no brand, then green tennis shoes cost three three bucks. So they do all that, and then you know if they can't find your suitcase, they'll say, "Yeah, okay, here's three hundred dollars to make up for everything you lost." 
Um, they didn't do that because, like I said, I returned from China still without my bag. And, you know, two months later or whatever, it, show, it just shows up on my doorstep. Nothing. Everything's in there. Everything smells like cold, musty suitcase. But, you know, that's that. Anyway, so I, I, I get to Shanghai. I'm feeling terrible. Right. I didn't buy a SIM card because I forgot that China. Um, I remember I had to get to China on short notice. I forgot that they had like the whole the whole ban on the Internet. Right. There's no Google, no nothing. Right. So my phone didn't work in China. So I couldn't like get in contact with my mom or anything. All of my chargers stupidly were in my suitcase. Not in like my carry on, which was dumb. I was like, oh, you know, they have they have chargers on the airplane. I don't need chargers on my on my person. Yeah. Famous last words, right? So I, I didn't have a SIM card. So I couldn't get in contact with anybody. I, you know, if you see, if you picture a movie where they get off the plane and there's like a million people holding up signs trying to, you know, hey, you know, Mr. Mr. Johnson, your your car is over here. I, there was probably 2,000 people. It was like a parade. It was like when you get off the plane and you go into the terminal and you go out of like the, the baggage area, baggage claims, you walk down this, this hallway and there are thousands, maybe not thousands, but probably a few hundred people on either side of this hallway, just screaming, holding up signs, looking for you. I'm like, well, well, this is an issue because A, not a lot of them are speaking English. B, not a lot of them have English signs. C, I don't really know if I have a car waiting for me if my mom like ordered an Uber from the, from the airport or whatever because I have no way to get in contact with her. So I'm kind of stuck in Shanghai with just no, no money, really, no clothes, um, a backpack. So essentially, I'm homeless you know, for, for a couple hours. And out of some stroke of luck, I'm sitting at like a Starbucks or like the Starbucks equivalent in, in China. And my mom comes around the corner to get her coffee. I'm like, I just, I just knew she'd end up at the Starbucks or whatever. So I reconnect with her. I say, we can't find my bags. We, we look again. We ask the people again. Nothing. She says, all right, well, shit. We're in Shanghai. There's like a big mall, you know, close to the close to the hotel. Um, I think we're at like the Shangri-La or something. And you know, you can go, you can go do that. Go spend your first two days getting clothes. So I mean, the 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 thing that pissed me off the most was that you know I go from the hotel and I wake up, but beautiful, beautiful. I had more fruits there than I've ever had in my life. It was like they had this 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 buffet spread of like every culture in the world, it was nuts. It was like they had like a thousand, not, I said keep it in a thousand, but it's never a thousand. It was like two dozen, it's like two dozen kiosks of different countries with different foods for breakfast and lunch and dinner. It was, it was super sick. Um, but I would eat breakfast and then I spend the first few hours of my day before I went and like looked and saw things and, and toured the city. Um, I would go to like the mall and go to like H&M and just buy some cheap clothes, you know, because I'm like, hey, you know, I'm probably going to get my bag in a couple of days. I only need like two days worth of clothes. That's it. Not a big deal. Right. But then my bag wouldn't show up for two more days. And I have to go back again saying, you know what? It'll probably show up in a couple more days. You know, I, I'll just I'll just uh, get a couple more days of clothes. So it turned off for like the first week. I was always going to the mall every morning to get like cheap clothes, thinking that my bag would come. And then I got the idea that like, maybe maybe it's actually not coming. I actually had to get more clothes. I had to get a, a suitcase, and it was a whole nightmare. 
Um, but, you know, that's Shanghai. You know, Shanghai was beautiful. It was a fantastic city. I had a lot of people take pictures with me that I didn't know, which was very kind of kind of odd. Uh, when, when you're waiting in line to go up to something or you're getting food, I was getting a smoothie at one of the, one of the, the, the towers there, the, the Pearl Tower. And I was just getting a smoothie. Was a, first of all, it was a banging smoothie. If you ever go to the Pearl Tower in Shanghai, there's a smoothie stand there that has delightful smoothies. But this one person taps me on the shoulder and she doesn't speak English. She just holds her hands up. If the video was on, I, I could show you, but kind of like she's taking a picture with her hands. Right. And I didn't know if she wanted, you want a picture of the smoothie guy? Like what's going on? And she pointed at me like, I want a picture with you. And, um, I don't know why. Do I look like a famous person? No, I look like your old generic white dude. Right. I don't look like anything special. Um, I was wearing cheap clothes because that's all I had at the time. Um, I had a pair of Reebok classics on my feet, which I bought at a, a sports shop for like, you know, 15 bucks. And that was it. And uh, I wasn't wearing anything nice. And she just wanted a picture with me. I'm like, there are plenty of other white people around here. There are, I'm not the only white person here. Why, why am I getting selected <laughs> to, to be your photo op? I know you see stories. I have fr- black friends that have gone to China. Um, and I have one of them that actually lives in China. He actually speaks fluent Chinese. And he, he sends me videos all the time of him, you know, speaking Chinese, like, you know, going into a shop and people uh, asking to take pictures of him because he's like this, this oddity. Right, because you don't really have a lot of black people in China. You're like this oddity, and they're like, "Oh my gosh!" Like, look at you! Wow, it's crazy. I don't know if you ever seen the video of there were two uh, Asian ladies in in China or Japan. I'm not sure where, and they had and they're taking a picture with somebody who had like an Iron Man mask on, right? Oh yes, right. And, oh. and they they take the picture, and then right before the picture takes, and he takes the mask off, and it's just a black dude. Um, yeah. They freak, oh, they freak, yeah. yeah. So imagine that, but like all the time for my buddy. Um, but then, but then, like they take pictures of with him because he's supposedly, you know, uh, uh, an oddity, right, uh, out there. But then he starts speak. He he, you know, thanks them and and asks them how they're doing in Chinese back and like fluent Chinese, and and they are freak freak the hell out. Um, but anyway, I don't speak Chinese. My my extended Chinese is like ni hao. And which means hello. If I'm just sorry, I don't want to impress you or anything, but it means hello. And and she she, which means which means thank you. That's yeah, it. Are you sure you're not fluent? I I'm, I'm confused. There, it sounds pretty fluent. Yeah, no. I could be fluent. Actually, I said I said she she, and my watch just went off because I thought I said hey Bixby. So I might be fluent in something, but it's not <laughs> Chinese. Um. Anyway, she so has to take a pic to picture with me, and this wasn't a one-time thing. It was probably you know six or seven times over the trip where they they I was singled out, which is cool. I mean I'm a beautiful individual, you know I I have a face a face for radio. I know those are contradictory statements, but they uh, I don't know. It is what it is. I smiled. If it ever shows up, you know, in the future, sure. Um, I also know what, what worried me later is that what my mom was saying, which I didn't know, is that if you're ever in China, and this goes out to everybody that's listening, if you're ever in China. And, and an old lady falls down in the middle of the street. She's about to get hit by a car. What would you do? You'd probably go help her up. You'd probably go give her a hand. In China, you can't do that. At all. Wait, what? Why not? Because, because you will, you'll get sued. Especially if you're an American or, or I mean, I guess somebody from the aisles. Um, if you're just a white, if you're a white person, right? Because a lot of those times it's, 
for insurance fraud. And oh. you know, if 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 somebody falls down and you and you grab their arm to help them up, and then they start screaming and they're like, "Oh my god, you broke my arm! You broke my arm!" because you grabbed their arm. And you know, there's there's CCTV everywhere in China, and they they check the tape and they see that you grabbed your arm, and then they see that, uh, you know, she was then screaming in pain. They're not going to believe the authorities aren't going to believe the American. They're going to believe the native Chinese uh, individual. So if that Chinese person presses charges on the American, or just for an example, that American is probably going to, you know, be at fault and he has no, no real defense. So it's a big thing. I was, I guess I would, I was told multiple times by my mom and by like her coworkers, by everywhere I went for like business dinners that, you know, if somebody falls or if there's a motorcycle accident or anything, just don't, don't help them up. Which I'm like, this that's just the weirdest thing for me to think about. Um, just not being a, a good person, but I guess that's just the way it is. It's kind of sad. When when you said that, I thought it was gonna be like something where it's like, yeah, if you have them up or something, they'll try like like it's some sort of scam or something like that. That's yeah. what I thought, and it is kind of like that actually. It's a scam it is. Oh, it's it, yeah. It's a it's a scam. Doesn't even cut it. Scam is like somebody trying to trying to you know make you buy something that you don't want to buy. But this this kind of scam is is fraud and it's stealing a lot of your money. So, I mean, I guess I guess it is a scam by the definition, but I call it something uh, whatever whatever is worse than scam. I can't even think of that. Anyway, um, oh another thing before before I get to the I get to Beijing and the Great Wall that we were taken in, in Shanghai, and I'll tell you, Shanghai, Beijing, no matter where you go. It is dangerous as shit to drive. I could never imagine my life driving there because, you know, you have your, your four lane uh, highway, parkway, motorway, whatever you guys, whatever you call it, you know what I'm talking about. And yeah. now it says, it says, you know, you by, by the way the lines are on the road, it's four lanes or six lanes or whatever. However, what the drivers out there consider as, oh, it's four lanes. That must mean that there's 10 lanes. And I'm not kidding. When, you know, you have like the shoulders on the side, which is where people, you know, pull over when they need to piss or when they need to fix a flat tire or whatever. Those are all taken up by lanes and the lines mean absolutely nothing. Right? The dividing lines between this, the, the lanes are completely arbitrary. And, you know, you will have like an on ramp, which is very narrow, have like three cars on it, each trying to fight for position. It's ridiculous. I mean, it takes you pretty much like three days to get two miles is what it feels like but what happens we were in a taxi and we were just driving and my guy was swerving in and out of traffic and, and just being a taxi driver uh and he, he he had like this steering wheel cover on his steering wheel obviously and he he just kind of starts messing with it i don't know he just doesn't like the way it's it feels or he just doesn't really he's not really happy with it anymore so he proceeds to take it off, open his door, and then just put it on the side of the road. And I'm like, my God, you couldn't have just held that in the car until you, you find a trash can. It's not, you can't, you couldn't just do that. But that's, but the, you know, I look out the window and I see everybody's just throwing trash onto the side of the road. Like it's, you know, littering, littering is normal. But then I come to realize that you're supposed to do that. The government, you know, instructs the people to throw their crap onto the road not like the big bags of trash but i'm saying like you know the shit in the car yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah. like yeah. cams and shit yeah you know to 
Do you know well, why? Or is it just- yeah, I, I figured out why. To Because it creates jobs. Really? Like, let it be good. That's like government jobs. Oh. Because it's, it's nuts. What happens is that the, um, what do you call it? You know, every, the, every single block, like city block, has a, a worker, right, that keeps it clean, right? And that worker won't have a job if everybody throws their trash away. Yeah, so they tell people to essentially give the people a job, and I, I guess that involves throwing your shit out the window. I don't. Yeah. I think it's dumb because I guess Shanghai has a one hundred percent, nearly a hundred percent employment rate. So like almost everybody has a job, but a large portion of those jobs are meaningless. And I don't mean meaningless like oh, like you know, a, a teenager could do them. Like meaningless, as in there is no purpose for these jobs. Like why does they just there need to be they're just there for a job yeah. like for yeah. people to do something every single door like you you go to a museum or you go to like a, a tower or something some tourist thing and every door is manned by like two or three people but then i wonder is that is that um little thing a good thing or a bad thing because there is so many people in china well that's the thing is yeah yeah it's it's a mixed thing really because it could be it could be good to keep people uh, working and have that motivational responsibility but then if you take that away a lot of people could just end up like not being able to get a job at all because it's all taken up there's so much i mean you see you see i mean i've seen uh like what do you call documentaries and stuff about how expensive it is to live in china and it's like you have you know it's essentially the size of of a large dog cage for like twelve hundred dollars equivalent, like a month, right? Like, you, it's basically this. It's basically like a half of a twin bed, and maybe you know, uh, a dresser for twelve hundred dollars a month. So, I mean, you're right. Everybody, you have to work, right? There's no really room for unemployment, mm-hmm. but at the same time, there's no like being unemployed incentivizes you to get better and to learn new skills. Yeah. Right. If you know, if I I look at the example that I'm told a lot of, you know, the VCR. You guys know what the VCR is? A VCR is VCR. Okay. Because I've talked to I've talked. I mean, my my little my little sisters were like, you know, a little over ten, um, are almost unaware of what a VCR is. But anyway, back in the day, I'm not saying I'm I'm not that old anyway. But back in the day, there used to be a store dedicated to VCR repair. Right, so you know, if your VCR was broken, you would go in and get a fix. But then, you know, obviously, VCRs became DVD players, and DVD players, Blu-ray, and so forth. And then Netflix came up. But you, you know, those VCR stores don't exist anymore. So there's people who were trained to be VCR repairmen. Their skills are no longer needed, so they had to learn new skills, right, and do something else to contribute to yeah, society. That's hard to see because it just they get bored out of this thing they've been working years on. Just but it went when it died down like it is i mean it's hard and it sucks but you know, they go on unemployment for a little bit right they get some money mm-hmm. uh, to keep, and then they learn a new skill and contribute in another job but in, in shanghai it's like you know you you clean this one city block that's literally all you're going to do because there's no way to work up vertically and like a, there's no it's not, not part of a company it's not like oh you clean city blocks for three years and then you could become like you know, you can own the city block, and then you can own multiple blocks, and then yeah, you can own like hierarchy for, yeah. for for corporate. It doesn't really work. I mean, there is, but it doesn't. It's not easy to move up, right? And what what skills are you learning? How are you bettering yourself if you're just opening doors for tourists for ten hours a day? 
right? It's not like it's not like you're a door a doorman in like a hotel where it's all about courtesy or anything. No, the doors. I'm thinking like the Pearl Tower again. Like there were doors in the in the tower that were just open. They were just open. Like nobody. They were never closed, right? And it wasn't like these these individuals were standing and open, keeping the doors open. No, they had like door stops underneath of them. They were just standing by the doors for no reason. They weren't doing anything. They were just standing there. And it's not like there was security. Unless you want like a, a five foot eight hundred ten pound individual as your security. No, he's just standing there. So I don't see the the point of that. It did it didn't make sense, but I guess you know everybody's got a job and it's a little weird. It's a little weird out there, but I imagine they come here and things are even weirder when you throw away your own trash. Um, or at least you're supposed to do. You're supposed to do that, but I'll, I, you know, not everybody does that, obviously. Anyway, so Shanghai, that was that. Um, take, a, take a train to Beijing. And Beijing is very, very smoggy, obviously, as you can imagine. Um, is that I didn't see the sun in Beijing. You know, when you think of the sun, you think of a, of a hot, fiery ball of hydrogen in the sky. But in Beijing, it was more like a weird, yellowy, orange haze that is around sometimes in the day. You couldn't really tell where the, where the light was coming from. It was just kind of diffusing throughout the air because of all the smog. It's kind of sad. You know, I, I kind of like felt like my lungs were heavy. But I imagine, you know, living there, I guess you, you would adapt. But it was tough. Um, anyway, mm-hmm. Beijing aside, you know, I went, I went to some, some counterfeit, you know, those, those counterfeit stores where they sell like all those fake goods that fell off trucks, right. And, and are straight out of the factory, right. Or have one small defect. Yeah. No, they're just those fake goods. Um, went to those stores, did some bartering, but nobody wanted to barter with me because I was a white boy who didn't speak Chinese. Uh, that's okay. It happens. Um, you know, it saw some other things it was crazy hot, but near the end of my time there, uh, we got the opportunity to go camping on top of the great wall and uh it was absolutely nuts it was just you know my mom and i and some other tourists that were from germany or or some other places and i'll tell you what when you get the opportunity to go camping on the great wall sounds it sounds really cool it's like wow i'm gonna be pitching the tent on top of the great wall but then you live you go through what i went through and you know you realize uh, yes, this was fantastic. And in hindsight, this was, this was such an awesome experience. However, during the thing, there were a lot of weird things that happened. Right. So, you know, you go to, you go to the great wall and you have like the pictures that everybody else, you know, when you see a picture of the great wall, it's usually on places where there's a lot of tourists and there's places where it's refurbished, right. Where the flooring is, is new concrete. Um, and the stat and the statues, the towers are rebuilt. So it looks, I guess, realistic to what it was back then. However, they said, you know what, we're going to take these goons, um, to like the old gray wall, which was really, really cool. And they, you know, it was, things were falling, you know, you would take a wrong step and you could fall off the edge of the edge of a cliff essentially is what it was. I mean, you're walking on very narrow things. And I saw some of the people we were going with were a touch touch overweight and a touch old and we're complaining of arthritis during the bus ride there i was like i don't i really don't know how they're making it up this thing i mean i had i had very bad knee pain at the time and i was wearing you know my my 20 trainers that somehow made it up the great wall and back uh you know after hiking miles and miles and miles 
But, you know, we're going through there and up the Great Wall is beautiful and there's sights and you know, yada, yada, yada. I'm not going to bore you with how beautiful it was. I got, I got pictures um, of that stuff. But we get, we get to the spot where we're going to camp, right? And what's on the, what's on the dinner menu? Uh, Vienna sausages and spicy ramen and a lot of beer. So, you know, it was nice, right? That's exactly what you want out of a, out of a, out of a camping trip to China is, is, is you know, those few things. So, you know, we get on the Great Wall and we are camping, essentially. And I, I you know, I like, I'm, I'm not saying I'm a loner, but I like to do my own thing, essentially, right? Everybody else is having a conversation. I'm like, I just kind of want to go, go, you know, chill and kind of go into a quiet area of the wall, kind of go explore a little bit, explore some parts that we're not going to see um, and just look at what the hell it was. It was like you were overlooking a jungle. It was you know, very cinematic, right? Um, but and I'm like, well, uh, I got a shit. And I go ask the the tour, I don't want to say the tour guide, right? But the hiking leader, the, the guy that worked for the for the camping company. And I said, you know, where, where do I go to the bathroom? And he said, wherever you can find a place. I'm like, what do you mean? You know, just, just over the edge of the wall or on the wall. And he's like, wherever you can find the place, you can use the bathroom. I'm like, well, Hey, this feels hella disrespectful. It's like me going to Stonehenge and taking a shit on, you know, right in front of a rock. I, I don't know. It's just, it feels like I said, very, uh, very disrespectful to be taking and taking a poo on top of such a famous structure. It's like me going to, like, I, I don't know. It's like it's like taking a poo on any on any famous structure. It's, it just feels weird. You know what I mean? But, you know, I was like, well, what are the options? He's like, well, you know, I told him that. I'm like, you know, do I really need to take a shit on top of the Great Wall? Like, is, there, is there just like a port john somewhere around here? Um, no, obviously there wasn't. He said, you know, just find a spot. So first things first, I was like, well, what if I like, I think it'd be funny if I just took a shit off the Great Wall. Like I, you know, there's kind of these these supports along the wall right and if you can imagine that you know uh old old guns and and cannons would kind of go through these holes in the wall right and what happened is that those holes or the the arches above those holes kind of caved in so it kind of left this this u shape which kind of allowed for like a seat to sit and hang your ass outside the gray wall two things a um the wall kind of curved like a banana, right? And if I went kind of on the inside of the banana and hung my ass outside the inside, everybody would see my bare ass taking a dump outside off the Great Wall. Everybody like on my campsite would, would see my – no matter where I was on the wall, like within you know, a half mile. Uh, it was very hazy, but it was clear enough that you could still see a, a pale white ass hanging off the side of the Great Wall, right? Now, if I went on the outside of the banana – um, what happened to be is there were a lot of, it was a lot of, it was less structurally sound. So if I sat there, I had, you know, I heard, you could hear it crumbling throughout the night and you could hear, you know, pieces falling off. I'm like, if I sit there and something happens and I fall out the back of the gray wall and fall down a couple hundred feet to my death, I really don't want to die with my pants down and with, with, with half a turd coming out of my ass, you know, excuse me for being vile there. That's not a fun way to die. I really wouldn't want to die like that. Um, 
it's probably one of the more humiliating ways to die. I mean, you, you think of where do you not want to die? It's always in the bathroom. Well, imagine if you're taking, you know, taking a dump on a on a on an internationally renowned monument, and then you fall to your death because you're clumsy. I didn't like that idea. I don't really think that's a good legacy to have, you know. Hmm. So, I said, well, what, what am I gonna do now? Because I'm not holding this in. I remember I said I had spicy ramen and processed sausage and a lot of alcohol. I'm not going to be able to just pinch this for a whole night and another four-mile hike tomorrow. That's not going to happen. Um, if it does happen, I also have to remember that how many pairs of shorts do I have? Not that many. I can't be going and wasting shorts and just taking a shit in my pants and throwing my pants over the side of the side of the wall. I can't really be doing that because, A, we're low on shorts, and, B, that's pretty poor if, you know, they, they – I heard what the what the Chinese government would do about the insurance fraud and stuff. And I'm like, well, if I if I ship my drawers and I throw my stuff over the side of the wall, they, I have, they're going to have some kind of DNA test. They're going to find a way to get that back to me and see that I just, you know, littered essentially. Day with that. I'm not going to risk that. So I said, you know what? We're going to have to just do it on the wall, All right? And I guess it's a normal thing. And you know, you, you, when you think of like the the Asian squat. Right where you're kind of like sitting back on your haunches on on your heels and you sit your butt down, you're just kind of like resting there. It's not like the Western squat, which is oh, I'm using I'm using I'm gonna use a baseball analogy, but I don't know if baseball makes sense to uh you guys from Ireland. But like there's a position called a catcher who kind of squats behind the plate on the balls of his feet, right? Yeah, it's not it's not like that, right? You can't you can't take a dump when you're squatting on the balls of your feet. Right, if you look at animals, they say, you know, I guess all the toilets throughout more rural China and like Beijing, Shanghai was pretty Western. So, you know, they had the, the Western toilets that we know. And I say we know and love because when you experience, you know, go from a, some a porcelain throne where you can sit, sit your, sit your cheeks down to just a hole in the ground and you have to do like a little squat over it. Um, you you love and respect and admire whoever invented the porcelain throne that much more. I could not, for the life of me, I could not just like sit down and not even sit down, just like go in one of those squatting positions and and take a dump that way. That's not really something that I can naturally do. And I don't really know who can. I mean, I guess some people can actually do it. A lot of people can out there, but. If you can go out into the woods right now, sit on your heels, and and take a dump, more power to you. I don't have that in my playbook. And other thing is that a lot of those bathrooms, especially in rural parts in, in you know northern China, don't have toilet paper. Period. It's not even like oh, it's it's single ply or oh, it's you know, uh, so like in like in Europe where you, you wipe your butt and you throw it away. You're supposed to, to go away or. <laughs> is wait for it to go away like it's just gonna just disappear and disintegrate um no they're going to uh i heard two th- either i think one of them is a lie but the one i know is the truth is you bring your own toilet paper so wherever you go if you go to a park you bring your own tp which is kind of kind of whack um just to think of that that way you know i had my 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 backpack on me where I went, and in my backpack, you know, I had my phone, I had my charger, I had a map, I had expert socks, and I had toilet paper. I guess I mean, I guess it just became normal. Um, but 
you know, anywhere where there was essentially that hole in the ground where you put your feet there and you squat down. I'm like, two, a, two things. A, if my foot slips off like these, these vinyl covers, right, where your feet go, my foot is not going to slip outwardly. It's probably going to slip inwardly. And where does my foot end up? Straight in a hole filled with other people's crap. Not a fan. So what that often happens is that, yeah, if I, if I had to crap out there, like in a more rural spot, I would kind of have to do like a wall sit and, and really rush the process, for lack of a better word. Uh, anyway, we're, I, I'm not trying to get too, too vulgar on this, even though I'm already there. What, what happened on the, on the wall? There was the, the bricks, right? I don't know what they were made of. We'll just say they were bricks made of bricks. You know, bricks that fallen off of parts of the wall and you know, I collected around the wall. I would st- I stacked the bricks and made myself my own little throne, right? I put like three or four bricks, you know, on each side, a little bit wider than my cheeks, right? I don't want to, it's not just a chair. And then I, on the top, I had, you know, the bricks a little bit closer in to give myself some support, right? And I just sat there, did my business. There was some, there was some weeds covering up. I had toilet paper with me, mind you. It was, I put the TP there, had some weeds covering up. I threw the weeds on top of it. And what I didn't do is I didn't, although I thought about it, I didn't just take a brick and drop the brick on top of my crap because I was like, well, you know, it's probably just going to go everywhere. It's not something I really want to be doing. So I just kind of left it there. So to this day, as far as I'm aware, on one of the walls near one of the general's towers, about like 200 yards down from the general's towers, there is a little kind of looks like a little oven, which is essentially what it is, right? A little oven where if you look into the oven, you're not going to find, you know, pizza rolls. You're going to find my, my crap. I mean, that was two years ago. I imagine it's not there anymore, but it was there for a little bit of time. Um, and then, you know, I go back to the, the, uh, the campsite essentially, which is still on top of the gray wall. It's not like in the middle of the woods. Um, there's no caravans or anything like that. And I, you know, my mom's like, did you, did you get, did you use the bathroom? I'm like, yeah, actually I made myself a throne and, uh, I, I did my business. I'm, I'm going to leave it for whoever, whoever wants it next time. You know, I basically made a toilet for somebody else and you know, that's all, that's all good and dandy. Yada, yada. We have a quick talk. Not, not about like my whole experience building the toilet in my shit. That'd be very odd to have a, an in-depth conversation with your, with your mother about that. Um, or anybody about that, although I'm doing that right now. We had to finally uh, confess. I know, right? I've been holding this in for so long, and I just it needs to see the light of day. Uh, but you know, we're in the tent, and you know, you're in a tent that is very light, and it's very pretty cheap, right? It's not, you know, they don't have a very high quality tent for us to use. And what happens? What so happens to happen? You know, right after I get back, clap of thunder, and it is like a friggin' typhoon out there. I don't know if it was a typhoon, but it was probably four or five hours of some of the hardest rain I've ever experienced, uh, ever in my life. Thunder, lightning, the whole kit and caboodle on top of me. And I'm just, I'm like, whoa, two things. Hey, we're at like the highest point in the forest right now. We're on top of a wall. We're inside, um, you know, very flimsy tents. I also have to recognize that these tents are very flimsy, like I just said, and they're not waterproof. 
So I'm sitting there in my stuff, in my, in my you know, sleeping bag or whatnot. And, you know, on my side of the tent, not my mom's side, on my side of the tent, it starts to pool water around, you know, the, the bottom area of the tent, right? Because we're kind of on a slope. And I go to see if on, on a tent, there's like a water seal around the zipper. I go to see if like the water seal isn't covered. I'm like, let me just pull this over real quick. And as I'm doing that, I'm unzipping the zipper. Zipper snaps. So I'm in the middle of a torrential downpour. The door on my side of the tent won't close. And I kid you not, right as that happens, the winds switch. So instead of the winds blowing on my mom's side of the tent, they're not blowing into my side of the tent with my door pretty much half off. And it's like two in the morning and we're leaving at five in the morning. And I'm spending the next hour and a half until it's done, until the storm passes, just holding on to that tent door so sticks and leaves and stuff don't just smack me in the face and you know leave me with like scratches all over my face the next morning, poke my eye out and whatnot. So I, I make it through that. I take some of my, you know, to say take all the toilet paper essentially and soak up as much of the water as I can, praying to God that. You know, my mom doesn't have to do any business the next day uh, because I, you know, she's not going to find any, any toilet paper. And I go to sleep for like a couple hours, wake up the next morning. I'll tell you, one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Silver lining. So beautiful because the rain and the wind essentially blew the haze, the smog away or out of the, out of the sky for a little bit of time. Right. And I could, for the first time, my entire time in Beijing, I, I saw the sun in China, but in Beijing, it's the first time I actually saw like the sun as you would think of the sun. Right. And it was still a little bit of haze and it was like early in the morning, right. Cause they woke everybody up at like five in the fucking morning. And, you know, it was just a sunrise and it was actually a sun that was rising and it wasn't just a haze that was kind of coming out of the ground. It was beautiful. Absolutely, absolutely gorgeous, and we did some more hiking and, and and took some more fantastic photos. And one of the one of the people we were with was a professional photographer, and he sent out all these pictures, so it's fantastic. And we made it down the mountain. I'm not I'm not chafing. My my ass cheeks aren't chafing because I actually wiped my butt, which is I'm very thankful for. And we had this fantastic, like incredible spread of like traditional Chinese food and a lot more Chinese alcohol in like this one small cabin at the bottom of the mountain which I don't know if they did this often. I guess like every couple of weeks they said they would take the people, the the campers down there to that family and, and they would make a beautiful meal. And it was great. And they had a, a Western toilet, which was even better. But yeah, I mean, that's that a few more, a few more weeks went by of, of me, you know, chilling there and seeing things and being hot and sweaty because nothing has AC and, you know, exploring abandoned places and whatnot. And then I get home, right. And two months later, what shows up at my doorstep, all of my damn clothes. But yeah, that's that. That's the story of my uh, of my time in China. That was, I, I, do you know, you don't know how many times I forgot this was a podcast. I thought I was listening to a book <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> what a story. That was, yeah, no, that was, I've never heard such a story with that much detail and just that much amount of up and down the mad things and i i don't know how you manage to just get hit after and after again and again with bad luck like that has that is awful like oh oh hold on i got i got one more one more tidbit 
and to this day, I hold this over my mom's head. We were on the way home, Bonus and she she didn't have she didn't have first class on the way home, but she had on the way there, right? And actually, I'm gonna backtrack way to the beginning real quick. She, when we got to the hotel, and it's, it still bugs me to the day and annoys me. She was so spiteful because not spiteful, but she was so uh, she was her I don't know she was being an asshole to say the least. I can say that and she can be okay with that because I've said it to her before about the same incident is we get to the hotel. I'm bummed because I'm still kind of sick at the time and I am not having, uh, well, I'm not, I say I'm not having it, but I'm also not having any clothes. I don't have any of my stuff and we're in the hotel. I'm like, well, okay, I gotta go. I gotta go to the mall tomorrow and get some clothes because it's only for a couple of days and I'm starving and it's like a 12 hour jet lag or 12 hour time difference. And I'm miserable. I'm awful. And yeah. And my mom was like, well, you know, if it makes you feel any better, I have, uh, you know, in first class, they, they gave me, um, some socks and some PJs. So, you know, if you want some socks, you can have those socks. I wore them already, but you can have them if you need socks. I mean, they can be your, I mean, I, I wore them. But, you know, they gave me some stuff in first class. And then she's like, oh, my gosh, also in first class, they gave me um, – there was, like, this whole spread. And they were walking it down the aisle. And it was, like, like desserts and food and stuff. And they would just give it to you. And uh, and it was, like, free. So I didn't have to pay for it. It was just included in my ticket. And I got to extend my legs back and put my feet up. And I had slippers and everything. And I'm like, Mom – I sat between two large individuals. One of them was coughing, and my dinner consisted of cold, chewy chicken, as well as like the breath of the person next to me. That was my dinner, right? I, you see what I'm dealing. I also don't have clothes right now, mom. I've worn these clothes in my body for like three days. I don't need to hear about your friggin' dessert buffet that you that you had going on in first class. I don't need to hear about your you know, how relaxing and soothing it was. It was like she was portraying me and my, and my fellow economy class people as inferior to her. But then on the, on the, on the return trip, which I think we had a layover somewhere else too. Um, she, like I said, wasn't first going first class or sitting in the line. And she was just complaining like, Oh my God, it's 17 hours. is going to suck. And I'm like, I know I was there. Don't, don't come at me saying, you know, it's not going to be a good time because I, you made me experience that on the way here. I'm not saying that like we, we don't fly first class often. Her, her business just gave it to her, but she didn't get it on the way back for whatever reason. And I guess they, you know, she got an update on her phone that there was a first class seat open and she was kind of down on the, on the pecking order in terms of who got, you know, who got the opportunity next to move up. And she didn't even say anything to me. She just walked away, goes to the front desk, and just starts asking if she can have the have the seat. I'm like, "Hello, hi. Um, I I can't have access to that. Uh, I still don't have clothes on my back. Um, yeah, you're no, you're not. You're you work, mom. You're gonna suffer with me through this because you deserve to suffer right now. Right, right now in this moment. I know you're not going first class. And she's just like, I am going first class. Um. Because fuck you, Everett. I, I'm going first class. I have the opportunity, and I'm like, Mom, you're not. I, I I promise you, in the world, the world is not going to let you do that. They go, the world is going to see my how how miserable it's been. You know how all the bad all the bad luck I've had, and they're going to give me one little bit of karma. 
right? One little bit right now. And they're not, they're going to tell you that you have first class, which they did. And they're going to take it away. And that's exactly what they did. They took it away from her. Um, and maybe it's, I, I like to be the guy that's like preying on somebody else's downfall and saying like, you know, I was hoping that she wouldn't get first class, but I will on my life. I was hoping she wouldn't get first class. I, I just, I needed her to feel how bad it was to do 17 hours economy class. Like, like the worst of the worst, like no, no leg room, you know, four people in an aisle. I needed her to, to feel that. And she did. So that was a little bit more silver lining for me. Um, and we, we came home on you end. Yeah, it was, it was, it was the smallest of small victories. It was not, it was not like anything big at all. Basically I, 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 I deemed it a victory, but what actually happened was that somebody else got a good opportunity and then got shafted. And I was happy about it because I was already getting shafted. So, I mean, I guess I was preying on somebody else's downfall, but that's besides, that's besides the point we get, we get into America, go to a place outside of New York, uh, New York city called new, new work. I know it's weird. It's New York and then Newark are, you know, two, two big cities, two big airports um, in that area. Go to Newark and for whatever reason, I think it was uh, more torrential rain. Our flight gets canceled to the next day and we can't just stay in, in the airport because the airport's not ginormous. So what happens is we have to rent a, a, a Airbnb. And, you know, when you when you get in at like one in the morning, and you need an Airbnb immediately. How many Airbnbs are really available in like a suburban area? Not that many. But luckily, her company was paying for it. So I kid you not, we rented for a day, for a night a mansion, ginormous. The thing was, I guess, on the market for like three years, and it wasn't selling. But I mean, you could see like the the realtor papers and stuff inside the house. I don't know. It was it was millions and millions and millions of dollars. Um. And it was every, it was very old. It was like a mansion that was built in like the sixties because everything was ducked out and things from the sixties and the seventies. And other than the kitchen, nothing was really updated. It was all just old, but it was freaking humongous and so covered in cotton. You're telling me you went from, from three pairs of, of pants to a bachelor. In New yeah, York. no, it's, yeah, no, it is. It's what it is. It started from the bottom. Now we're here essentially. Right. Yeah. Uh, but when we stayed in there and everything was sticky for weird reasons. Everything, but I, I spent the whole night. I mean, I was jet lag out of my mind, um, but it was such a big place. I just spent the whole night just like exploring it and looking around and seeing what the hell was up with it. And I opened up this one drawer, or this one kind of cabinet uh, in the room I was staying in. And it was like, if you ever see those, those movies or things, or <laughs> have you ever seen a movie or thing or just any, any sort of entertainment where a character opens up a, a chest like a, a drawer or something and it starts gl- and starts glowing oh, and like their, their eyes get really wide and it's like <gasps> you know and, and things start getting really exactly and it wasn't full of money no but it was it was like a time capsule because i open it up and i see like you know board games that are like the first edition board games from like the 50s and the 60s of like monopoly and trouble and all those classic hasbro games and I mean, they're used, obviously, but it has such a retro feel. And I see this guy in America. You guys do um, uh, World Cup sticker books, right? That's like a thing. Yeah, yeah. Right, that's like a thing yeah, over there. That's not. Yeah. That's not really a thing over here. But we have trading cards, right? Especially baseball cards. Um, and baseball cards got really big uh, in the '80s, 
right? And once they got really big in the '80s, they became really pretty much invaluable. It was like you know the the paper that was printed on was cost more than the card itself because there were so many of them that were printed. But anytime before like 1981, cards are more valuable because there's less of them, right? That, that makes sense. Now this individual, whoever's room I was staying in, I guess it seemed like they just like moved out really fast because. In some of the other drawers, I found like birthday cards for like a bot mitzvah and like a bot mitzvah cards and, you know, like, like, like thank you cards and stuff that were all dated from a few years ago, but they were still there. It's like the people just moved out and moved everything and just like left all the crap in the drawers. Right? I understand why the it's fridge haunted. had some, I, uh, I still think about, I'm not, I don't believe in ghosts. I don't believe in spirits and that kind of stuff. But if you told me that I lived like one time in my life. Right. Somebody came to me and said, Everett, one time in your life, you lived, or you, you spent, you, you were in a house that was haunted. I would know exactly which one it was because you're right. It w- would have been that one. No other place that I've been gave me the same kind of vibe. Um, but the kitchen had food in it. Uh, you never know if, if, you know, it's just while I was there, there's about mitzvah going on and, and the, the, the kid was getting, you know, what do you call it? Raised in the air on a chair and and that was going on and i was just uh running into him over and over i just kept hitting them and they're out to, they're out to get me but you know there's food in the kitchen because it's an airbnb and people just bought food and left it there but every but you know there's no clothes there's no shoes there's no like belongings there was some furniture and but there was like the car there was those just things that you would think if you moved out you would get rid of you would throw away because they have identifying you know, things on them, like your name, like your, you know, what ad- addresses they came from, like your family, but they didn't throw them away. So, you know, I go, I go back upstairs into the room I was in and, oh, sorry, side note, I keep jumping around, but spiral staircases were, there was one main, like main spiral staircase, but there was like two or three auxiliary spiral staircases that weren't big. They were like little like augers kind of drilling through the house, you know, probably about two, two feet, you know, two feet to a meter wide. And they would go from like the master um, walk-in closet down to like the mud room on the first floor. And they went from like the attic down to the, you know, the, the floor below it. And there was a couple of them. Like they were just random staircases throughout the house i it was weird it was very very odd it was cool it was sick but it was weird anyway i'm in this room and i look and excuse me all of the baseball cards the trading cards are numbered right it's it's a set it's a collection that's released every year from like one all the way up to like 572 or, or something like that for how many players that they that they print and i guess it's it's just a number Right, but it doesn't really. To me, it doesn't mean anything because it's just what number card it is. But I guess people want to collect every single one, every single card from that year, no matter how important the player is. And this guy had—I don't remember the exact years. Uh, I say guy, but it could have been a girl. But who who knows? Uh, 70, 1970, like nineteen seventy-four. It was like three or four years that he had every single card collected. It was like at least a few thousand cards total. He had every single one. He had duplicates of many of them. And I was like, holy crap. And I went online. I was just looking up how much is this, does this stuff 
cost? Like how much can I, you know, how much are these worth? And some of them are worth hundreds, like a couple thousand dollars. Some of them are worth like a couple bucks, but you know, you could look up, say, okay, 1971, you know, the brand is tops. What cards are valuable from this pack? And it kind of said, you know, this, this card was a misprint and this card was, was very rare. And this card was a rookie card of a famous player. You know, I went by, I was looking, I was like, okay, it'd be crazy if he had this card and I go through it and he has like five of them. Uh Uh-huh. Like, like I'm holding in my hand, like five cards that are each worth like three grand each. This is, this is, this is stupid. This is crazy. It's like I'm in like a, a kid's book. It was a book I read by an author. I remember I was a kid, some, I don't remember who or what, who wrote it or, or what the book was called. But they were, they were digging, these kids were digging through something. They found this, this Onus Wagner card, right? And Onus Wagner is a baseball player from like 1900s, 1910s. And he, that card, even like it's a real card, is worth many millions of dollars. It is the most expensive trading card in the world. And I guess in this book, you know, the, the story is that they found, you know, another part of this card and it was called Swindle. Swindle's the book. And, you know, this one scammy pawn shop owner uh, swindles them into giving up that card for like 50 bucks, right? And then that guy tries to go sell it for millions of dollars and these kids create a plan to go steal it back and yada, yada, yada. Um, but I kind of felt like that, right? <clears throat> Where I found all these, like, these, these treasures and stuff. And I love sports. And I love these cards and stuff. And I collected cards when I was a kid, but not to that extent. And he had like signed baseballs from like, there's a guy named Mickey Mantle and he's one of the most famous baseball players in the history of, of the sport. And like these things, like just these sports memorabilia are worth probably like a hundred thousand dollars and it's Airbnb and it's been Airbnb for like two or three years now. They're just sitting here. Like nobody understands how, how expensive these things are. And I, I don't, I'm not going to just take this stuff because I know my back of my mind is like, if they ever come back for this and they, and you know, this old guy's like, oh my gosh, my Mickey Mantle baseball, I need to go back and find it. You know, I, I left, I, could, I left it there. I left it at the old house and he goes back and it's not there. He's going to be so bummed about it. And I would hate to be the person that takes that from him because if I put myself in his shoes, right? If I was in the same situation and I had something that I really liked and I was really valuable and I wanted to keep, and I forgot about it and found out it was stolen. I, I'd, I'd, be, I'd be the end of the world for me. So I didn't, couldn't do that. But there were cards that he had multiple of, like many duplicates, very expensive cards. And I, I had like a deck of cards and I got about 50, 52 cards, right? That were duplicates and that I knew he had multiple of. And even if they were valuable, I put them in there and I, I kind of I kept them. I have them um, in my apartment out, out in school. And it's like a, it's like a time capsule, right? It kind of reminds me of the whole China trip as a whole. And I got those cards appraised by a local baseball card guy in, in my hometown. And some of them, he said, you know, these are pretty bad quality cards in terms of like the edges and the print. They're only worth like, he's like, they're only worth a couple hundred bucks. But the fact that I had like 52 of them, he's like, you know, you could sell them now or you could hold on to them for longer and they'd be even more valuable. So I just have like this, this 52, 52 cards or so of baseball cards. That's probably now only worth about $5,000. I say only, but over time, say in like 50 years, it could be worth $10,000, right? $20,000. And, you know, I, I, it's just, it's just, it's cool. That's all I'm going to say. I, th- I think it's really cool that I came across that kind of stuff. And it was, it was a big, big silver lining to the entire trip.
Um, yeah, you locally turned around once you left uh, left China. Like it uh, maybe, seems that yeah. things completely did a U-turn as you came back. Not completely, but you know what I mean. Like things started getting better, and you got some lucky stuff. Yeah, my luck's a little bit better in the states than it is um, on foreign soil. I have. I mean, we could do this for another time. I have another. It doesn't involve involve a a, a dump on a very famous monument i promise you it doesn't but it does involve some other crazy stuff that happened in greece um the year before so we can say we can do that another time we can do that you know if, if you guys want some other time that's another crazy story about just some stupid things you've got you've got some collection haven't you i know that those are there's a probably about two it's probably greece and china and like one more and those are like the only stories i can give like really long things about um but yeah still good that's that's the end of the yeah, of the tale one one question I want to ask you overall the big question is did you enjoy your China trip like because I know there's been there was ups and downs and uh, I know it must have been great going there but then there was bits that turned you off so I'm wondering what was the whole at the end of it what was your your rating there? immediately after a four immediately yeah. hindsight looking back on it like two years and a month removed from it uh, that was that was like a nine out of ten eight nine ten out of trim eight eight to nine out of ten. 8.5 out of 10 trip. So I'm trying to say other than the fact that I lost my clothes, which still sucks. And then there's no, there's no good that came from that. I mean, I bought cheap clothes and I can't, one of them actually, I have a shirt from H and M that I don't know why I haven't got rid of it yet. It still has like the, um, the tag on it, like to prevent you from stealing it. Big question I wanted to ask you was how did you last on two pairs of pants? Uh, washer dryer i know it's, it's a crazy it's a crazy idea that you would wash your clothes it really is but it would happen is like i would wear it and then you know you do the the age-old sniff test the next day and if it smells wearable you wear it again and then you would give it a couple days off switch to the other pair of pair of shorts for two days one or two days and technique is it it is again it's not something that down. many it's a pro tip it's not something that a lot of people know mm-hmm. um yeah, yeah. but I Bear Grylls level of survivability, is it? Yeah, I think I had. I I think I mean I'm exa- I exaggerated when I said I had two pairs of pants. I actually had three pairs of pants. Uh, okay. Um, crazy, crazy stuff. I know it was. I still I I still have them. To be honest, I still have them. One of them is like worn down and is a pair of work shorts now. But two of the other pairs of I shorts actually wear. I <laughs> they damn yeah. those no should be in the frame. Those shoes. Those shoes really made it through everything. They made it through yeah, the entire trip, up and down. Well, I mean, they were not meant for hiking. I'll tell you, I had like hiking shoes because I knew we were gonna go camping. Um, but those yeah, shoes, the, in your bag. yeah, they got those Reebok Classics, twenty bucks uh, at a sports shop in, in my hometown. They lasted the entire trip to this day. They, they, I still have them. They're just a pair of beat up shoes. But then, if anything's gonna be in a frame, it's, it should be those things. Mm-hmm. But uh, just a bit of story and all that that shit was fantastic to listen to. Like no joke, that was just ah, that's a good, that's a great pun, story. right? Yeah, I know. Like it's just um, the whole story and the whole it was just the way you even told it. It was just I like as I said before, I forgot I was on a podcast. I thought I was listening to uh, an Audible original or something. Like it's <laughs> maybe I should maybe yeah, I should turn into a, into a book, right? Yeah, it's um, but- high story. It was good. Uh, the, not the, the the shit wasn't good. It was it was awkward and uncomfortable. But 
the trip as a whole, in hindsight, I will say, I'll reiterate again, it was a good trip. And it's very, as you can tell, it's, it was, it was, it was, it was memorable. And I've told this story a few times. Um, so maybe that helps with the fact that it's, it comes off very easily, but I love telling the story because how many other people can say they, they, they built a, they built a throne on the great wall of China, took a dump yeah, in it and it, and still yeah, there today. To it because I thought it was just, uh, uh, I thought the story was just going to be, uh, we went to the great wall of China, we went camping and then you did your business. I, I, that's all I thought it was going to be, but then you got into this whole in-depth like traveling and traveling trip, and it made it so much better. <laughs> oh, I mean, it could have just been the dumb part, but then it wouldn't. You, you wouldn't understand take how it take away the buildup. How unlucky it really was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, that's that's my story, and I thank you so much for uh, you know giving me the platform to tell it. Happy, happy to hear. It. It's fantastic. So, okay. Yeah, I mean, I know, I know. Caden uh, had to hop out for a second. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a problem. Yeah, it's great. You got, you got a few words in anyway. So, yeah, thank you for joining us. Well, thank you very much. Of course. Okay. Absolutely. Well, yeah. That wraps up. That wraps up today's episode with uh, Ziggy. Ziggy, I don't know. It's a, there, sorry if yes. I pronounce that one. Ziggy, Ziggenfoos, whatever you can call me, you can call me whatever the heck you want. I'll probably respond. Simple as that. Real quick, if you don't mind, uh, you know, I'd love you for anybody listening to check out. Um, I'm just gonna plug my Apple picking one more time. We got some oh, great cool. stuff going on yeah. there. Great conversations uh, about some really, really important stuff. And you know, mm-hmm. every, for everybody that listens to it, that's just one more, one more voice or one more ear that you know somebody else's voice is being heard. And you know, in a time like this, that means the world. Definitely, yeah, and uh, yeah, cherry picking as well as your sports podcast as well. If People aren't that like inclined to listen to important stuff. Maybe they want something like that. <laughs> I've, li- I've listened to a bit of cherry picking, and yeah, that's very good as well if you're into sports and stuff like that. So, yeah. thank you much. Thanks again, Ken, for having me on. Yeah, I'll, I'll link you. I'll link your stuff in the description. Is there any anything else you'd like to plug? Maybe some social media, Twitter, or anything like that. That's. I mean, you can you can follow our uh, our company, uh, Instagram and Twitter at underscore cherry picking, um, and on Twitter only. For apple picking underscore apple picking, we we they're both pretty intertwined, but we got a lot of good stuff going on there, um, you know, in terms of audio snippets and in terms of uh, just some good content to to support our our podcast. Just as Block of the Week has has some good content on their Instagram to support their oh, support definitely. their show. Definitely, yeah, uh, and I'll definitely link it all in the the bio so you don't have to go uh, you don't have to remember it all. But yeah, okay, bye bye.